Hey, welcome back to the Inappropriate Feedback Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby B. And on today's episode, we'll be talking to Bob Spoljarek. Bob is an avid hiker and backpacker, most notably on the Appalachian Trail. Uh, he started backpacking uh, probably about six or seven years ago. And since then, he's done about 20 plus hikes. He has a group of guys that he goes with a couple times a year, fall, winter, all seasons. Uh, so he's going to talk to us about what his first hike looked like. And he's going to talk about what it looks like to hike now and things that he's learned and uh, just kind of get an understanding what it looks like to hike, uh, backpack and stay overnight on the Appalachian Trail. So I found it very interesting and hopefully you guys do as well. song is i just picture you listening to this while you're hiking oh <clears throat> do you uh, listen to music when you hike not really um i have um not when i'm with my friends when we go on our backpacking trips so you wear do you wear headphones when you're by yourself i do yeah yeah i don't wear headphones i wear those over the years that are not so I can still hear the ambient noise. Around oh, you me. have the aftershocks. Yeah. That's what I have. I bought them from Michelle. She doesn't use them because she read something about cancer in California. But we're not in California, so they don't cause cancer. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. There's, yeah. You got to eat enough avocados or something. Yeah. You first. just, that's what yeah. it is. It's reacting with all the liberalism or something that's going on over there. I, I love the aftershocks. I'm on my third pair. Not because They're the nice. other two broke. It's because the other two got misplaced. Um AKA your kids are using them, maybe? No, I have a habit of putting them up on my mm. head. And I know for one that I was tossing lacrosse with um, Laurie's kids when we were watching Charlotte's game. They just popped off my hat. So there's two pairs of Aftershocks somewhere in the world that someone picked up. Yeah. They're nice. They're light. You don't even realize they probably fell off your head. Do you know how many so days light. went in between the misplaced ones and the new ones? Like less <laughs> than 24 hours. Yeah, you're like, I really need those. Yeah, I, yeah. I use them a lot. Yeah, they're nice. Um, So cool. So, all right. So, Bob, you came on the podcast today to talk about my new interest, which I even haven't haven't even done it yet as an overnight, but hiking and right. backpacking. I, I'm surprised I didn't come in here this week and see a... um one of those wheels that you spin, whatever the interest of the week is for Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I'm going to start another channel just going to call it Curious Bob. Yeah. Because I have multiple things that I'm interested in. Right. And almost too much. So nothing to focus on. But um, you, I went, how did that work? I went on a hike because the Appalachian Trail is only 10 minutes from here. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And then I did it a second time, just back and forth from one of the shelters. And I took my metal detector and I was playing with it out there. And um, I saw people setting up their tents out there. And I thought that was really interesting because it got my mind going about staying over. Um, you know, these people probably hiked five, seven, ten miles. Who knows how many days or weeks they were going for. Um, and that was interesting to me. And I remember you saying to me, I think it was like a month before, would I be interested in doing a hike and an overnight? And now I'm at the point where I, I think I want to do it. I think it would be fun. Well, you've been interested in a cabin for years you've been saying i just want to rent a cabin and yeah. go hang out in the cabin and yeah. i've done that um i've done like primitive cabins but also uh overnight backpacking trips and I, i've offered most years to you and our brother-in-law to yeah um do something like that but yeah uh, it there's there's a commitment to it um 
first trip we went on though my cousin one cousin showed up with a jan sport backpack <laughs> this is a backpacking trip yeah it was a back it was a three-day backpacking trip and we were sleeping we we knew we were sleeping in a um on the appalachian trail there's three walled lean-tos and you've seen it but um we, were, we knew we were staying at one what we didn't know is that typically there's going to be other people there so you you should still have your other gear oh, yeah um but he came with just as little well, he had a Jansport backpack uh, a full-size sleeping bag that you would remember from when you were a kid <laughs> so he showed up like he was on standby me yeah when they go looking for the body yeah he had uh three bottles of booze in his Jansport backpack <laughs> which takes up half the backpack at that yep. point a full-size axe was he oh my God. and an army jacket like a heavy you know army surplus jacket oh my god pair of jeans People probably thought he was like a murderer. And he had he definitely looked like the <laughs> he highway. Looked man. Like he did not belong yeah. there. <laughs> the guy you don't pick up hitchhiking. Imagine if you guys had a hitchhiker for some reason and he's out there with an axe <laughs> an army jacket. Nobody pick you up. That's what he that's what he looked like. Yeah. So he shows up. So so this is the first hike for him or for you? It was the first hike for all of us. Um for my fortieth birthday. Which was twenty sixteen. Okay. Um, well, before my 40th birthday, um, at that New Year's Eve, we were all at a party together. And I told them a couple like drinks before midnight that um, I was definitely hiking the Appalachian Trail this year. And a section of it. If anyone wanted, yeah, a section of it. Um, if anyone wanted to join me, I'd be glad to have company. Mm -hmm. And four of my friends that I've been friends with and involved with many things for years, and two of the guys I've known since kindergarten. We're like, yeah, we're in. They. This is why they're drunk. Yeah. So then, when they sobered up, they were still like, "Yeah, I'm in." Well, the next day we all started texting. Okay. Um, what do we need to get? Like, and sharing information back well, and forth. Well, you need to get an axe and a Jansport <laughs> backpack. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I had the luck of uh, borrowing a lot of gear from um, my father-in-law. Yeah. Um, our father-in-law. Yeah. And. I was able to, you know, start to piece it together, but there's tons of resources out there of what you need and what you, but yeah. we also, because it was a 40th birthday, not just for me, but for all of us, mm -hmm. um, we, we didn't end up hiking until two months after my birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, we, you know, we went out and got some new gear here and there, none of which I use anymore. Um, but we, the stuff from your father-in-law? Well, no, the stuff from my father-in-law has been used here and there, but there was stuff I bought for that first hike, which I don't use anymore mm. at all. Um, we we just were convinced we're going to not only hike, but we're going to have a good time. So on day one, we um, packed steaks. I carried the steaks. Um, another guy was bringing baked potatoes. <laughs> my cousin with the Jansport was supposed to bring corn, which he conveniently forgot. <laughs> and another friend was going to bring... Um, I forget what he was going to bring, but uh, the, okay. so the comedy. The last in supper, everybody has it in their backpack. <laughs> yeah, the comedy of that first hike was um, my buddy Doc carried the baked potatoes and he brought two extra because the bag hadn't enough for, and they were big size baked potatoes. <laughs> he tied them to his belt <laughs> in, a, in a sack. What? So he was walking with uh, the baked potatoes just. They weren't baked then. They <laughs> like were like a potatoes. giant pair of nuts. Yes, just, like, just slapping back, back and forth. forth. Yeah. So he also carried. He he had bought um, these canvas uh, water vessels, like a uh, picture of Viking or an Indian. <laughs> uh, 
He had two of them, and they were, they were like a Nordic fur-covered bladder, like yes. water, like the Navajo Indians used to have. Yes, oh but they were promotional items on Amazon. Like people buy them with their logo on them, and <laughs> he got two just generic. And he um, he had those strapped on either side with potatoes <laughs> going back and forth. Um, so maybe 250 yards into our first hike he had lost one and he had to retrace his steps <laughs> the back to big potato or no, the bladder the bladder the viking bladder <laughs> it yeah it fell off dude he just looked like a gypsy with all this stuff swinging off there was these two girls who were clearly through hiking had all the right gear and knew what they were doing <laughs> who just looked at us like morons um mm -hmm. as we as we were going and you know 250 yards in it was a beautiful morning mm -hmm. perfect and it was a flat section from where we parked and maybe 350 yards in was the first uh sign of raindrops uh, and then it was also right when we hit the hill um that was maybe like a 1700 foot climb yeah uh straight up yeah but he had retraced his steps so we all had a little bit of time to now where was this at where's where did you put in at uh we started at uh route 850 um which is th you know just above marysville okay and it's the cove mountain section so it's basically yeah. 850 to duncannon yep and we yep. were we hawk were mountain don't they call it hawk mountain or something well hawk mountain's a uh destination from duncannon um and it's after cove mountain but there's a cove mountain shelter yeah so if you're coming north from boiling springs yeah there's i think the very next shelter is darlington which you've been to yeah and then after Darlington is Cove Mountain. Okay. And then after Cove Mountains, Duncannon, you cross the Susquehanna River. Yeah. And then after you climb the mountain again, there's Clark's Ferry Shelter. Yeah. So you're so, heading towards this Cove Mountain Shelter right now. Yes. You're going up the mountain. Duncannon's behind you. Mm -hmm. Marysville's behind you. You're going up this, and it no, starts no, no. to rain. We started from south. So we were coming from, if you were to come from Darlington down Oh. To the other side, 850 is the road. Oh, yeah, I know where you're at. Wart from, Wartsville Road kind of it's, area. It's after Wartsville. Or it's it's it runs parallel to Wartsville on the other side of the mountain. Mm -hmm. 850 does. Okay. We parked at 850 yeah. and walked in. Like, how does that work? So you you bring, like, um, like, how does that work? So somebody parks one car, and then did you park another car? In this instance, we parked two cars. And we, um, one of the guys who was hiking with us, um, put or had his car, uh, at a friend's house that they drove and dropped off and just left the keys okay. in, in a place where we were like a secret place, our final destination where we were going to, which was, and the, there's four of you guys, there was five of us, five of you guys. Yeah. Um, that mountain climb though, it, <laughs> it poured torrential downpour and I had bought like a pretty inexpensive, uh, pair of frog tugs. It's called it's rain gear. Um, they're maybe 30 bucks and it's like a Tyvek suit for rain gear. So you had that. I bought that, but it was Smurf blue. <laughs> 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 I wasn't expecting it to be that. Yeah. Uh, First every, time you took it out. Yeah. Everybody else had dollar ponchos pretty much. Yeah. Um, which by the time we re like had reached the top of the mountain, which literally kicked our asses just going up this mountain because we had 60, 65 pound packs yeah. with steaks and potatoes and booze and everything else. Yeah, this is two days though you're staying overnight? We, we were doing three days. Three nights. Three nights, yeah. 
And that first climb, just we weren't conditioned for it. We weren't prepared for it. And we were carrying 60-pound packs, <laughs> which were unconventional. All of yeah. us, like, packed in weird ways. Yeah. Cans of spam and uh, dinty more beef stew. <laughs> <laughs> like people just cleared their pantries out. And yeah, this will work. Uh, one of the things. <laughs> it's still this day. You just that, say dinty more beef stew. Yeah. <laughs> sell that anymore to this day it's uh, the hardest thing when you're packing for a backpacking trip to at the last minute be like i'll just throw this in yeah and then on our last trip um which was just maybe four months ago um at you know maybe nine o'clock at night we're sitting around the fire and my buddy doc pulled out um a jar of salsa and nachos (laughs) (laughs) and you know six years later we're all like very conscious of our pack weight and we've bought more gear and everything else but he's like I packed last night at 11, <laughs> and I had a little bit too much to drink, and I just thought it seemed like it made sense. <laughs> well, there's luxury items, right? There's, like, practical, but there's a little bit of, and I get it. You want to be strict about your weight, and it's it's a little bit of a game. I mean, we've talked about this. A little bit of a game. It seems like how low could you get your pack in weight? What can you survive, and what do you need? What do you? What's a luxury? What do you need? And I think that's kind of where you're at. You're really trying to whittle it down to what you need Versus any luxury. Do you bring any luxury items with you? Uh, most of the trips that we've brought way too many luxury items. Um, right. I mean, there was a trip two years ago. We went to the Darlington shelter. Yeah. And it was my cousin's uh, birthday, his 45th birthday. Mm-hmm. And he had gone through a divorce. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty down and out about it. He was. It was completely unexpected. So we decided we were going to do a, a big event for him. And me and another guy literally had 65, 70-pound packs. I had a backpack on top of a backpack. Wow. But it was a mile and a half in, and I thought. Yeah, it's not bad. I can, you know, it's sure. not that bad. Sure. But at the end. died. No, it was like, <laughs> yeah. You know that feeling when you're done roller skating, it feels like you're still roller skating? Yeah. It took like five hours for me to feel like I didn't have two packs on my back. <laughs> oh, my God. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So, so you really, you brought a party with you that time. We did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this first trip—that's what we did. Going in, we took a party. One, one of the guy, the guy with the potatoes, also brought a uh, grill grate, like one of those round Weber grill gate grates. <laughs> wow! It, it was packed on his pack. We yeah. had literally no clue what we were doing. Yeah, we made it to Cove Mountain. Everybody was soaking wet. Their ponchos were torn and ripped. I'm walking around looking like Papa Smurf, <laughs> and the two girls who were through hiking were there and. There was a stranger to them there, and they warned us about him when we got there. Oh. And he was uh, he was apparently hiking the whole way through, but he was in Crocs, and his pack was um, nothing. It looked like a Davy Crockett pack. <laughs> <laughs> and he was in Did his, Doc have something in common? He said, "Look, look at my my yes. my, my bladder, my Mohican bladder." I don't care what kind of psychopath you are. When the five of us walked in. It, <laughs> <laughs> There was not a chance that he was going to, like, attempt yeah. any, um, you know. You guys look crazier than him. Oh, we did. We definitely <laughs> did. But we were friendly, and we had uh, yeah. tons of booze, and we had yeah. uh, steak and potatoes. Yeah. So another guy showed up who was a through hiker and he was in his uh, early 50s, late 50s, and he had a dog. He's hiked a lot. Um, he was surprised by us, a little bit cautious <laughs> as ever. <laughs> But he, he actually ended up being really kind and helping us, like, learn yeah. how to use our gear and yeah. s- suggesting things that we he should do He saw all the stuff you were pulling out, and he's yeah. like, like he's it's a like, clown car. Well, he was joking. He, he's like, I did the same thing. Yeah. Um, most people start off with a buck knife on their hip and um, yeah. 
and that's all of us had a buck knife on our hip yeah. and we all had more than we needed yeah uh half of us knew how to use our stoves half of us didn't yeah. and we didn't really need our stoves because we grilled steaks on the <laughs> open fire Yeah, but you brought the stoves anyhow. in the rain we got a fire going <laughs> that's nice um yeah. The, the great story about that first trip is we were all sitting there doing, um, you know, just getting ready to settle in to make our meals. It was starting to be dusk, and we were proud of ourselves because we had hiked all but three and a half miles. Sure. And we just felt super accomplished. Yes. Um, this lady in her late 60s pops around the corner in a bright orange. Her name, her trail name was Orange Crush. Yeah. Pops around the corner with her hiking poles, puts her arms way up in the air and says... 28 like very oh, wow. emphatically wow and we just looked at You're her like, like three she was well we looked we didn't even know she was talking about holding 28 miles i hold an eject yeah. daniel's bottle she was super excited to tell everybody who was at that camp first oh. she was super excited there was a fire in the rain yeah she was expecting there's only going to be through hikers who have a fire in the rain yeah so she came around the corner just super excited to tell other hikers that she had probably passed or walked with yeah what she had done instead she ran into us yeah the crazy young guy <laughs> yeah and then the guy with the dog yeah and at first you know she, she was and the guy with the dog was like super thrilled and then we caught on and we started you know telling her and we she asked questions we told her what we were doing we had uh extra steaks extra potatoes so she had a steak oh, and potato dinner and she drank it. jack daniels with us oh um, nice so Right. We ended up hanging out till 11, 1130 mm -hmm. um, before everybody slept in that lean-to. None of us put our tents up that first day. Wow. So there was us five plus three. Yeah. And a dog. Wow. Um, That's a lot of people. With, remember, my cousin brought three bottles of booze and axe, and that was <laughs> it. So when we got to Duncanon, we ended up having to buy more booze. Oh, my God. Yes. Wow. Uh the quote of the night was it was just like one constant snore in that oh, three no. yeah. yeah with everybody snoring everybody snoring except for yeah. probably orange crush <clears throat> yeah. yeah um yeah. but when we we left that day uh that we hiked to duncannon and there's a hotel along there called the doyle hotel which is a yeah. famous hiker stop okay we planned our lunch there um we were pretty beat up just yeah the next three miles was hung over we were hungover, but it was hard terrain. That yeah. whole section is very hard terrain. Yeah. And e every the Appalachian Trail section in Pennsylvania is Roxylvania. Mm. And it, there's images I've shared with other people of what it looks like. It looks like a, like a rock slide. Mm. And you're walking on rocks constantly. Yeah. And our bodies just weren't prepared for And at this point, we're lugging 45, 50-pound packs. Yeah. Which is still way too much. Yeah. Um, but we got to Duncannon, and as soon as we walked in, the bartender was like, you guys must be the famous five guys. Oh, no. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> There's legends of you guys? Already, yep. Um, they had written about us in that log book at the Doyle Hotel, <laughs> and then the next place we stopped, there was a paragraph about us and how much fun we were. Oh, and okay, that's good. How, how cool it was that we were doing what we were doing and yeah. that we just had no clue what did we were doing. Did they name you? What did they, they name they you? They named us the five guys. The five guys. So that's what our trail names all became, the five, five guys. guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, sounds good. Yeah, it it was cool. Um, so <coughs> for the next two nights, um, well, we ended up staying at a campground in Duncannon, right along the river. Uh, that was a good uh, compromise. Half the group wanted to quit. Mm. And it was so easy in Duncannon to make a phone call to get somebody to come yeah. pick you up. Yeah. 
um, midday after stopping. So you said, let's stop here. Let's stay the night. If you want to leave, you can leave the next morning. Right. We, we met a local legend at the Doyle who had hiked with some people who had hiked uh, large sections of the trail. And he gave me a ride to the campground. Guy gave us a spot at the campground. Yeah. And we ended up uh, staying there. And then everybody was able to refresh. Now everybody had tents or no tents? Everybody. Uh, no, no. So uh, one guy had a hammock, yeah, which was a hammock tent. Like he did a hammock with a tarp. Uh, Brian didn't have a tent at that point. So he ended up shacking up with one of the other guys. In a, That's Axe and three liquor bottles guy. Yeah, correct. And then... Other guy had a tent for two people as well. So, so everybody had shelter. Yeah, everybody had shelter at okay. the um, next stop. Yeah. So a third day we ended up hiking. And it was a, it's a hard climb, and we ended up at the Clark's uh, Ferry Shelter, I yeah. think it's called. Yeah. Um, we got there, and there was a couple of uh, Penn State students, co-eds, and they were pretty uh, unhappy that we showed up because they were looking for some alone time. But um, Oh, they ended up moving. Well, they're at a shelter on the AT. I yeah. Mean, I, we thought the same thing. The just, odds are, yeah, you did. Yeah, that's true. You thought, like, we'll be out here by ourselves. and We didn't think there was going to be a chance we'd run into anybody. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. What time of year was this? It was in April. Okay. It's early. It's spring. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Yeah. But. Did you have any food that third day? I mean, it sounds like you ran through all your food. Yeah, you buy some more oh, food. You, you didn't remember the part about oh. spam and didn't eat more beef stew. <laughs> Plus, every single one of us bought like twenty packs of Mountain House meals, which are those dehydrated oh, yeah. meals. So you guys thought you were gonna like starve out there. All the stuff you brought, we did. We had no clue what we didn't know. <laughs> we brought enough food to feed an army. Yeah, and eat just the first day, mm-hmm. but we had enough food. Like some of us are still going through the Mountain House meals <laughs> from that first pack. Yeah. yeah, like there was a trip recently we went on that we left it sitting there because we've had it for so long. Somebody needs to take yeah. this, yeah. Uh, I think my first, that first hike, I bought like 20 Mountain House meals and packed them all and took them along. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> it seems like they weigh nothing, and you don't, we didn't really have a concept of that uh, ounces create pounds and pounds create pain. Sure. So we just, you know, and then there's that last minute, like what in case, like just in case, what if I get lost? And honestly, where we were hiking, even if you got lost, it's just a little bit of a hike to get to a road. So you mentioned 60-pound <clears throat> packs, 65-pound packs. I don't think the average person really fully understands uh, what a 60-pound pack may feel like or what is what should it be, right? So what is the ideal sweet spot for a pack? Now, there's the ultra light, which you're getting down, what, sub 30, sub... Sub 20. Sometimes. Sub 20 for yeah. light, really super light packers. But what's the... What's the mid ground for the average hiker? So there's a couple ways that they that people look at it. Um, they look at weight, which is just your three major things: your pack, your shelter, and your um, sleep slash cook uh, stuff. Cook set, yeah. So it doesn't include water and food. Okay. And some people include clothes into the first section and not into the. So it really depends on how you look at it, but ultralight when it's just those three big items, they're looking at sub twenty. Like into the but they have to bring other stuff. So they're when they say sub twenty, they're just talking their main items. Yeah, main items. They're not talking get on a scale with your pack. This has how much it weighs. Okay. Correct. Not including water and food. Typically, they're just not counting it. Right. But they're carrying it. So why aren't they counting it? Is it just like a bravado thing? Like this is my pack. Is this many pounds? And they brag around the fire. No, it's it's because your your food and water 
really is um, the like the base items are going to be no matter what you do on any hike. Mm-hmm. So if you're going for a day, you're going to have those base items. Mm-hmm. If you're going for five days, you're still going to have those base items. Mm-hmm. The variable is when you're going for those many days. It depends on where you're. If you're going to have a resupply for food, if you're not, so your weight will change based on your hike overall. Mm-hmm. So if you're really focused as on... As you eat, as you drink, well, that's what you're saying? Yeah, well, it, it will change Decrease as... Decrease the weight. There's that, but there's also the component of you need more food for five days than you do for a two-day hike. <clears throat> right, if you're going to recharge or... Yeah, you really need more water for a five-day hike than you do for... Unless you're 100% confident that... Your water supply somewhere along the way is going to be um, potable water. Then you have to start to think about things like um, water uh, filtration or water treatment when you're out there. Like that, I think the Darlington shelter, you mentioned that there was uh, warnings that the... There's a virus. There's a virus. In the, <clears throat> going around in the water. Yeah. yeah. They said just be careful. They uh, said, And I think it said the filtration systems, a lot of them don't filter out the viruses. Yeah, there's treatment, there's chemical treatments, and then there's filtration treatments. Mm-hmm. Some you, can pe- put, you can drop like a pill in it or something. Right. But plus the, the filtration. And then you can boil it. And you can boil it. But you're not going to be drinking boiled water very fast. So there's that, <laughs> no, that issue. I would hope not. Yeah. I mean, coffee or something, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know, so. So what do you normally do? Do you pack your water or do you go for these water sources or is it a 50 50? Um, I've gotten in the habit of for every, like the hikes we've been doing have been most at most three days. So on a three-day hike, I'll pack close to nine liters of water, which is way more than anybody should take. Yeah. But that's considering as the five guys, there's still one or two guys who pack <laughs> like 12-ounce bottles of water. And they just throw, keep throwing, like 12-ounce bottles, like they'll throw a couple in there. They'll just. They like, literally have like two 12-ounce bottles of water. It? Or three. Um, though, I mean, for three days? Yeah. And they're just like, we'll figure it out. Just Let's sip off the leaves. Or- particularly one guy. But everywhere we've, you know, destination hike to, there's a water supply either that we're crossing or we're close to. So you'll, they'll drink out of the stream, filter it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, okay. Has anybody yeah. gotten sick? Uh, no. Okay, mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I'd be too worried about getting sick. Shitting my pants in the woods. Shitting my pants at home is worse enough. Yeah. I don't want to be shitting in a hole. Because, dude, pooping in water and pooping not in water, it's a totally different scenario. You don't realize how glorious water is. Yeah. It just takes it away. It's really not that hard. Um, it's not that hard, but there's something about it. I just don't like it. You yeah. got to do it, though, right? Yeah. Uh, the shelters all have. Dude, flies appear in like three seconds when you poo. I don't in, know where they're at, but in, they're just like, boom. Yeah, that's the reason. We, we usually hike either in the early spring or late fall Yeah. because that's less of a concern. The bugs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because if it's colder out, I think I would like a fall hike. I think that would, but you have to the right gear to sleep and that kind of stuff. It's but. easier for me you know, to do that because in the summer you still have to have the right gear. You also have the fact that you're going to be sweatier and Bugs. stinkier and hotter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's not that hard, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, pack weight, it's those base items yeah. is really what they, they typically focus so on. So when someone says I have a 30 pound pack, they might really have a 40 pound pack because they're carrying water and food and yeah. Um, like w- when we send text messages back and forth, and even when I look at what other people share, they normally put all their stuff in and then weigh their pack that way and consider it that way. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to have a pissing contest, they, they that's the people that go for like, well, I'm not counting my food, right? Like if people are just being straight up and real, this is what my pack is. But if they're turning into like some kind of competition, maybe people are negating that. 
I, I really don't think it's competition as much as it's, it, it might be for some people, but I think the majority of people, it's just that that's their, that's their core system. It's like, if you're talking about a car in a, you know, road race or something, like they, they're not going to tell you what their car's uh, specs are with gasoline and food in it. They're mm. just telling you what their car's specs are, mm-hmm. not the rest of the stuff, like the weight of their passengers and uh, everything else. Yeah. They're just telling you the specs of their car. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got you. So saying. in this case, the race car, these are the items that they use on the trail. Yeah. That they're, uh, I they're, got what you're saying. They're all not. This is my outfit. Yes. This is my, my gear bag. Right. Per se. I got, I understand what you're saying now. These are the non-negotiable items. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Um, and what are you at? What's your pack at now? Did you, you, you show me that spreadsheet. I laughed at you because I don't know. I mean, I just think that's, but now that I'm actually thinking about it and getting into it, I'm like, you do got to kind of write it down. If you really want to be smart about what you put in your pack and the weight and stuff like that, you really got to get a visual and you got to look at it and go, well, where can I cut? Like what's what's kind of frivolous here, or what's what's another option? Yeah, the spreadsheet was started a couple of years back in a different form, and then I migrated it to the one that you saw. And it's what's funny is that the original was in pounds, and I've converted everything to ounces. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm typically looking at all in, I'm looking at ounces overall. But I, I'd say I'm around. That's why I want to look at the spreadsheet beforehand. But I well, think, I mean, ballpark. I mean, yeah, it's between eighteen and twenty um, for the. It's pretty ba- good, right? Based that's up. about as low as you can get. Yeah, pretty pretty low. I, my sleeping bag is still heavy, um, but like the the difference is how that, heavy is your sleeping bag? I don't remember. Yeah, look at spreadsheet. It's probably four or five pounds or three or four pounds, which is a pretty heavy. Like you can get an ultralight sleeping bag now. Do you for, take that in the summer though? You uh, take your sleeping bag in the summer. Like I, if we went today. Yeah. Would you take no. that sleeping bag? Because it's just it's sixty five out at night, I think. Yeah, no. So you wouldn't do that. You just no. do like a sheet. A sheet, yeah. 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 So if you take away the sleeping bag, I'm probably at like twelve or thirteen pounds. Twelve or thirteen pounds above that twenty. I'm at twelve or thirteen pounds and above that is eighteen with sleeping bag. Yeah. Um so tent, cook, mm-hmm. backpack, mm-hmm. and clothes. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that range. Yeah. You, you probably can't get much lower. I mean, you seem to be pretty strict. Unless you just start, like, really getting freaky and sleeping under the stars or something. Or oh, yeah. You get tents. Like, there's a lot of people, the ultralights, they just do a tarp. And they use their hiking, their trekking poles. Um, and it's just a tarp. And then there's a lot they of They do, people. like, an old school Boy Scout tent kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who will uh, cowboy camp, which is just their bag on the ground. Their hat over their face. Yeah. They sleep like on their pack. Mm-hmm. Where's the fun net though? I mean, I guess there's something about it. There's something about the accomplishment of it uh, and saying you did it. I guess it's like running a hundred miles. These ultra marathon runners, things like that. It's like, I guess it's to say you did it to join that club. But I don't know. Man. I'd be like, I want some luxury stuff out there. <laughs> I yeah. want some. It, it's So it's yeah. an individualized thing. Like, mm-hmm. it, like, the, like every hike I've gone on. No, not every hike. The majority of the hikes I've gone on have been with these five guys. Yeah. I've gone on a bunch of others with uh, other people I've met who are enthusiasts, but I haven't really ever gone with somebody who's like, we have to get 20 miles today. Oh, they, they'd be annoying. Um, there, there's people who are doing it because that's their goal. Yeah. Um, like this, I was the annoying guy on one of these past hikes because I wanted to get to 10 miles, but it was because I believed we could do it and we were eliminating interesting hikes. Mm-hmm. 
because they were 10 miles between shelters and stuff. It was 10 miles or more. And I, I just wanted everybody to see that it can be done Yeah, and it's rewarding. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we can start looking at different places to go and yeah. different hikes to, to, to really see. Yeah. It opens it up. Yeah. So when you're camping, um, just to get an idea of what the day looks like, what time does everybody usually get up at camp? At least your guys. I mean, I'm sure everybody's different, but <sighs> so like five or is it more like eight? Uh, the, 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 uh, you know, the 20 milers get up pretty wow. early. Yeah. I'm saying you guys, though. Yeah, we, the five guys, the five guys, like there's a guy or two that get up at six or seven. Um, you know, whether you have to go to the bathroom or something like that, but sure. usually we have a cup of coffee, all of us by seven 30. Yeah. Um, somebody's starting a fire and getting it going. There's, there's many people who are hiking. They don't do a fire in the morning or yeah. anything like that, but they just get going. We take our time. Um, yeah. uh, the part for the five guys is enjoying the woods yeah. and being able to have um, fun together. Yeah. Um, then when we, you know, so then it, it typically takes 30 to 45 minutes to get everybody packed up mm -hmm. and ready to go. And it's always crazy. We always kind of wrap up right around the same time with getting our packs together with yeah. five different guys. It's not like we're sitting there waiting for one guy to finish packing his yeah. stuff. I'm sure everybody's just kind of like slowly putting their shit together, eating, you know. Yeah. And then I'd say it sounds like like 9 a.m., 9.30 a.m. you guys start hitting it. Mm -hmm. And then are you guys the last guy, last people at camp or there's usually people hanging out there like would there people stay longer or you guys are last out of camp? Well, we don't normally stay at the lean twos anymore. Yeah. Um, we'll find a, like around most of the lean twos on the Appalachian trail, there's, you know, within 200 to 300 yards, other campsites. You just have to look around. Yeah. And we usually go to one of those sites. Yeah. There's typically like a, um, you know, clearly spots for where people have laid out tents previously. And yeah. then there's a primitive firing of some sort. Yeah. And it's close enough to the outhouse and also away from the shelter. Yeah. And then we, we tent. And we didn't do that at first because there was just a, a fear of the tent part of it. But I honestly, I really prefer sleeping in the tent or away from the... Fear of the tent? What do you mean? Uh, there, there just seems to be some sort of uh, security in a hardbound wall. Even though there's only oh, three. Oh, people feel more comfortable in the shelter. Yes. Oh. If it rains or it's windy or, you know, there's also those tree yeah. limbs that can fall and all that's yeah, Widowmakers. I mean, yeah. That's what you call them, a Widowmaker? That's what they're called. I don't necessarily fall call down them. and hits me on the head. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a little scary. Have you guys ever had a run-in with animals? No. It's one of the funniest things in the world is that we see a bird every other hike or something. We're like, there's an animal. And it's <laughs> you just never like a little them. songbird. <laughs> we haven't seen many squirrels, many uh we've yeah. seen signs of animals. Yeah. Um uh we have not seen a lot of animals, even deer, and I think it's probably because there's five of us. Yeah. And with gear and whatnot in tow, it's not like we're the quietest people. Yeah. So I was gonna say the first time your buddy just sounded like a traveling pawn shop coming uh, coming down the road. Yeah. <laughs> it, to be fair to him, we all were. Um, it, it was sixty pound packs. It's hard to uh, be quiet. That's great. Did you document it all, like videos or anything? We have pictures. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have videos. Yeah, that's it, funny. It was um, like videos weren't as common back at that point in time. It was six yeah. years ago. So it's amazing how much technology has changed and social media and. 
Like I think that Periscope wasn't even a thing at that point. No, I doubt which it. Which is gone now. Yeah, but it gone, evolved yeah. into TikTok and that kind of stuff. Yeah, Instagram, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So nine thirty, you're on the trail. Start hiking. Probably anywhere from five to eight miles. I'm guessing it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and then how many breaks do you think you guys like sit down somewhere or? It depends on the terrain. Um, you know, on a incline, we'll we'll take more frequent breaks, and it's. Uh, a lot about like just checking to make sure everybody's okay with five different guys just making sure and five different pack weights and skill levels yeah and let's face it people have injuries man and you get in your 40s closer to 50 people got a bum knee they got all kinds of weird shit going on yeah do you got any guys in your five guys that have like any knee problems or feet problems or yeah there's each of us have our own things in certain ways right so at, as we go, whether it's incline or decline, we do normally space out. Like there'll they'll end up being groups of two people or three people who hike kind of in a group, but one or two people will go out ahead or one or two will linger. Mm-hmm. But throughout the five to eight miles, we'll regroup. Oh, okay. So you guys spread out, right? Like someone can hike faster than the other one. Somebody's mm-hmm. taking their time. Maybe somebody stops to piss, but you know where you're going to end up. So everybody's kind of walking towards that direction and you're going to meet up. Yeah, I'd yeah. say like just about every mile and a half or so, we take a pause to make to yeah. re- regroup, regroup get and some make water. sure nobody's lingering. Yeah, um, have some water, snack. Um, traveling snacks are key, like accessible walking, like snacks that you can grab while yeah. you're walking are, are yeah. key. And what do you like to eat? Um, I used to do these mountain packs, uh, <laughs> honey, <laughs> honey packets because they were oh, okay. Yeah. And then what I've really gotten into is these power chews. It's like a gummy that it's like also made with honey. It's they're made by Stinger. They're fantastic. Okay. It's kind of like a drinking a Gatorade, but in the size of a chew. So it's like Gushers. Yeah. Back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what it has, has electrolytes in them? Yeah. It's it's all solid. It doesn't have a liquid, but it's uh, yeah. it it's so refreshing. And then mm-hmm. it has like a. There's also those power pack uh, or protein packs that they use on marathoners and whatnot. I used to yeah. grab those energy gels. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, like some of the guys bring, um, you know, their own pre-made, uh, trail mix yeah. or, uh, slim gyms and beef jerky or common thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's those stinger things are great. And then one of the first trips that I took and I still would do this cause it was fantastic. There's packets of tuna that are, um, you the know, pouches, pouches, and I would take um, four or five saltines and just put them in there mm-hmm. and have a fork at the ready, crush it up, and just eat them as I'm walking. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's interesting. I was Now that I'm thinking about it in my head over the last week or so when I walked through the grocery store, and you probably did the same thing when you started thinking about hiking, just looking at different stuff that I could, that I could bring with me, stuff that's in the grocery store you don't realize that could be just add water kind of thing. You know, I thought about... You know, at least for the first day, I could make uh, spaghetti. I, well, I could make the spaghetti meat with sauce and freeze it mm-hmm. and put it in my pack and wrap it around two frozen, like a frozen bottle of water and just rubber band it. And then when I get to camp, because I'm trying to, I don't want to be eating, like you had mentioned this, all the salt that's in that stuff. I mean, it's just a lot of yeah. sodium. So I thought about if I could do that and just make pasta at the camp and then mix it all together, like mix the meat with the pasta. And Yeah, it's, that's a good day two thing. Oh, it would last two days, you think? The yeah. Frozen. Well, even if beef? it thaws on the first day, the second day it would be fine. <clears throat> yeah. It just be creating like a some kind of something in my pack that keeps it cold. 
and keeps it frozen. I mean, I mean it will stay frozen for mm-hmm. uh, eight to ten hours, but mm-hmm. um, the cleanup is the only thing. Then, um, yeah. So it, it's not that hard to clean so up. Some of the stuff can go in the fire, but then you'd have to probably. I would imagine bring a container that seals to put your trash in because you don't want to be smelling like trash. Yeah, most of the trash, like I I sent you that image of my last pack, but it's similar to what my last four have been where I take whatever packaging this stuff is in and condense it to Ziplocs or some other single-use item, get rid of 90% of the packaging. Most of that... Most of the food that you take, even if it's formulated for like those mountain house meals that you see, um, the package, like the powder is maybe the size of a candy bar, but the package is the size of a notebook mm. and it's purely for marketing and instructions. So mm-hmm. you end up with this, but well, the other part is that, um, people eat right out of those then. Yeah. And so you, you boil, add hot water to them. You add hot water, you seal it up, you let it sit for 10 minutes oh, okay. and then you stir it up. Mm-hmm. And then you eat right out of the thing. Yeah. So that's considered to be a disposable meal. But um, the spaghetti sauce in a Ziploc container, frozen. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I just thought about it. I'm like, why don't I just do that? And just to get day one where I don't have to eat something ridiculous with sodium. And I actually have a bunch of MREs, like cases of MREs that my neighbor gave me. He's in the National Guard. He just had all these MREs. And I thought about bringing one or two of those. But then there's just, you, you start talking about weight. There's so much extra shit in those MREs mm-hmm. that you, you, I'd probably have to open the MRE up and take out what I wanted to take with me uh, and just eat, eat that as well. Um, I mean, loaded with sodium, but still something. Yeah, it's it's the biggest conundrum with your pack weight is the if you overpack and you bring food back. You get annoyed. Like, I didn't even need this. Like, why did I bring that? that? I can tell you that many of the first trips, we were coming back with enough food for 16 days. And it's just not necessary. Well, it reminds me of COVID. When COVID happened and they were going to shut the grocery stores down or it was like limited time to go to the grocery store, I bought so much weird shit and like three of each. Right. And I had so much food. Like, <laughs> like it was crazy. Um, but that I would think like going into the woods, I'm going to be there for three days. Like you don't have any concept or like, because there's food in the fridge, there's food in the pantry, there's, there's food around you all the time. You never have to think about it. And now here you're going in the middle of nowhere and you feel like you have to bring everything because you always have those options. And uh, I think that's a part of it that I think I would like, the simplicity of hiking, is it g- gives perspective that you don't really need as much as you think you need um, to get by for three days. And I think you would eventually probably figure that out. I mean, you've traveled for uh, work Mm-hmm. And if you decide you're not going to check a bag and it's just a carry on, yeah, the airplanes have really forced you to think like a backpacker. Yeah. And your destination then is going to have food and drinks and stuff. So you're not worried about that. But yeah. When you get to a hotel room, for me, and I think for a lot of people, when you're on a business trip, one of the one of the nicest things is that you just have two shirts, a couple pairs of underwear couple pairs of pants whatever you need and that's it and they give you just enough hangers just enough drawers so in that hotel it's very easy to stay organized and Mm -hmm. put your stuff where you need to Mm -hmm. and you have to approach backpacking the same way yeah um because i mean that is another part like at the end of a day when you've hiked eight miles or five miles or Mm. two miles you have to unpack all that stuff yeah then you have to keep it organized yeah 
And in the morning, you have to pack it all back and make sure it fits yeah. into this uh, small sack. And you have to find the stuff. Yeah. You, can't, you can't lose anything. Yeah. Um, when you're with five guys, you know, it's okay because you've got a little bit of a security blanket. Yeah. But if it's just the two of us and we yeah. both lose our knife, like our knives. Or tent. I've read, like, I'm on these backpacking Facebook pages now and people just leaving pieces, essential pieces of their tent behind or just essential pieces of, like, shelters or food, something like that, like the gas canister for their stove or something. They like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of it's shelter stuff, people leaving it behind. But it was interesting. The person on the group was like, hey, you left this behind it here if anybody sees it. And somebody on this Facebook group, because you get internet up there, found it and met him somewhere. Like, yeah. I watched the whole thread happen. Have you ever left anything at a shelter that you're like, fuck? Yeah, I've left uh, a Nalgene bottle, the water bottle, at two different shelters. So twice? Twice, yeah. But That's really it? That's it, yep. Okay, well, that's good. That's not that bad. No. Yeah. Um, the modern pack as well includes other things that add weight very quickly that if you go into my, if you go above my base, like I always take a um, portable charger. Okay. Hardly use my phone and hardly ever even have my phone turned on. Yeah. Like I'll turn it on at one of those breaks mm -hmm. that I described in the middle. Well, you have a family. You got to check now and yeah. then make sure. Check in with on. them. Yeah. And then I'll turn it on a little bit while I'm at camp. Just check whatever's been going on and write to them and then turn it off. And then I turn it on, like put it on the charger. Um, past couple of trips, I've taken a portable speaker. So when we're around the campfire, we <laughs> can turn on music. Yeah. So that's which, one of your luxury items. Yep. Yeah. Um, I used to take binoculars. They're done. Not taking those anymore. I just thought they you just were. just found you didn't use them? Yeah, I would use them occasionally, but it was more like, oh, I have them. Might as well use them. Yeah. It was just extra you weight. You could do without them. Yeah. Uh, I have these string lights that I took one time. That you yeah. Could, like, solar string lights. Solar string lights. Yeah. Which was doubled as my battery charger. Yeah. And they were a fun gimmicky thing to have. Yeah. But completely unnecessary weight. Yeah. Um, I like the gadgety shit. I know Whenever I get into something, I love the gadgety shit. I and know. <laughs> I, I mean, that's what this whole new interest, like just going to REI and looking up stuff. I'm like, what the hell is this thing? Like, right. what do you do with this? You're jonesing to buy some stuff. I know. I'm texting you. I'm like, hey. Uh, Can you bring this stuff over now? Because I'm yeah, otherwise I'm going like, to buy, buy it all. Amazon Prime. They're like <laughs> shouting to me. They know I'm looking. They know what I'm interested in now. I was looking now. last <laughs> night. It's Prime Day. Yeah. And I'm like, what do I need? Yeah. It's bad a bad habit but i i really don't think you need anything to yeah. go for your first time yeah you might hate it it's hard to sleep in the woods yeah you will in the middle of that night sleeping in a tent hear things on your tent you will hear things like walking around and it may not even be something walking around it just sounds like it uh there again we've done these hikes and it's been five of us and not a single person hasn't reported every single time thinking that something was on the outside of their tent, like sniffing. breathing, sniffing, <laughs> rubbing. Yeah. And maybe one of these five guys just does that as a prank. I was going to say, I don't, maybe I, it's just one of you guys sleepwalking. No, I'm pretty sure it's just the wind for the most part and leaves blowing around or stuff blowing. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, well, you get used to a certain sound when you're sleeping. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's for, that's for sure. Like I, I, I used to live next to a road in college. I got used to the buses, you know, I didn't hear any, I didn't hear them anymore. And then when I went somewhere else where it was like quiet, I couldn't sleep. And then vice versa. I would imagine like, 
uh, people go in the woods and maybe they're used to hearing nothing or they have sound machines. Like you're hearing crickets, you're hearing uh, everything the woods offers and it's not a pattern. And um, it's got to jar you for a second or two um, that it's not the same sound. Um, I'm says you hear something and we've, we've done a lot of cold weather hikes, like, you know, overnight 20, that probably feels good. 22 the cold degrees. air. Yeah. 22 what? degrees. 22 degrees. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. And windy. I can't do that. I don't even know what the wind chill was, but, uh, I s slept at one point, you know, fully, uh, jacketed, uh, wool hat mm -hmm. and I have a mummy bag. And I had to turn my face over and yeah. put it into something because yeah, that's it, cold. It was freezing. Yeah, yeah. But I still had a fantastic night of sleep. Hmm. I do like sleeping in the cold, but that's a little that's a little too much. Well, with the right gear, it's not bad. Yeah, really. I'm like it's it's like undescribable, indescribable how yeah with the right gear you can make uh, the most of that situation. Yeah, and still enjoy yourself. Um, do you enjoy a campfire? Yeah. Uh, there's nothing better than a campfire on a cold night like that. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And it's, um, and I think that's, I think hiking is going to meet that need that I'm looking for. I've been, like you said, talking about going to a cabin for a while or going camping. My family won't camp. Uh, two little girls that are afraid of bugs and it just would be a nightmare. It wouldn't be relaxing. Um, so I think this might scratch my itch to get out there. If I do like it, you know, I'll do it once with you, uh, and Ben. And then if I do like it, yeah, I can see myself doing it a couple times a year. All right. Recommended to you already. I'll recommend to anyone though that when you do it that first time, try to do it with either borrowed gear or gear that you can. Like, there's plenty of gear items on Craigslist or mm -hmm. wherever, um, Facebook Marketplace, because inevitably you might find that there's specific things about your own body type or your own rhythm of doing things that yeah. are more important to pay attention to. And for just about anything that you're looking for, there's specificity in that gear that's mm -hmm. available and it's better to spend that money. So it's tailored to what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But I, I, you know, I think the marketing angle, the capitalist society we live in, there's a pack for everybody. Oh yeah. And there's a pack for anybody who's looking to s trade money for a pack. Yeah. And they've marketed it to the hilt. So that's what a pack, you know, as I look at these, these packs, I think I do need to go and experience it because I've got so many options on them with like where the pocket is, where the strap, like I feel like I do need to kind of get an idea of what makes sense for me. Like how many pockets, where the pockets are. Do I even need a lot of pockets? Um, and that's why I asked you to bring the pack over. Cause as I get stuff, I want to put it in there and figure out what makes sense as far as just practice, do a dry run of like what it feels like. And I'd like to take it and actually hike with it um, up to the Darlington shelter and back and just to feel what that feels like. You know, if I do feel like, okay, this is a ridiculous weight, I need to consider taking some off of here. Or if it's not so bad, I can be like, okay, well, I have room for a little bit more in here. I could probably put in, uh, now I know that's only a three mile hike versus five miles or whatever we're talking about doing, which we're going to go to breakfast tomorrow, me, you and Ben, and we're going to assume map out what we're going to do. And figure out who has what gear and. Correct. Yeah. I'm, um, well, I think that picking the hike is the most critical first. Because if it's a Darlington hike, 
you could literally go with a Jansport in that. Or Jansport yeah, you could bring like a piano with you if you want. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a nothing hike. Right. Um, but I want to do something longer. I, I do want to do like a five, six mile. I want to feel that exhaustion. I want to feel that satisfaction of being at camp and being like, okay, I just work my ass off. Because that's one of the things I really appreciate too about this is it blends in exercise. It's this odd combination of exercise and relaxation. Um, so, and you get to, you get that kind of that reward at the end of the trail. Um, and I think that's what I like the most too. I mean, camping's camping. You pull up your car, you do whatever and you leave, but there's something about hiking and earning where you're at. It's exercise, relaxation, and risk. Risk? Risk. Yeah. Like no matter what you think, like there's a risk component, meaning you might forget something. You might lose something. You might find that you can't sleep out there mm -hmm. you might drink bad water and get the shits mm -hmm. like there's a hundred different things that can happen well it takes you out of the normal predictability and patterns of life mm -hmm. yeah. and it creates this environment where what if it, there's a discipline to it it creates a certain kind of discipline that maybe you don't necessarily experience or exercise you know what you got to do at a camp there's a ritual there like you set up this and then you do this and then you got to make sure you do this before you leave and um and then I just, I do, and I was saying it to you, I do love the idea of like, how simple can you get? You know, and I think there's, I would imagine there's hikes where you bring luxury items and there's hikes where you make it very simple and you kind of have to pick and choose when those hikes are and think it through. Yeah. And uh, there's hikes that you can see some awesome things. Mm -hmm. um, even the most basic hike, you inevitably walk past views that are just mm -hmm. unexpected. There's trees that are unique and different. And you have to earn those. You have to hike to them. Not everybody sees them. Correct. Like you have to earn that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is one thing that I think people overlook. I think when they think about backpacking, that it's just going to be like this leisure, leisurely stroll. Mm -hmm. and A walk in the woods. You're looking at everything and yeah. taking in nature. Yeah. Like you backpacking with a pack is purpose-driven your eyes are on your feet yeah non-stop yeah so you really only get to take in the sights or look around when you pause or yeah. stop because otherwise uh, each step is also part of that risk like mm -hmm. um the step on a snake the fall hikes there's uh, the last fall hike we did leaves were all over the trail you can still see the trail but midway through, it started raining. Wet leaves uh, on top of rocks oof. with 50 pounds on your back. Oof. That's a flying big potato there. Yeah. <laughs> you're just, you're just, and then you have incline, decline, incline, yeah. decline. Yeah. Um, do you take poles? You do the uh, pole thing? I, I just got poles for Father's Day. Mm. So I've never taken poles, but um, I had been avoiding it. We all have jokes about who's going to be the first one. <laughs> And I'm the first one that I know has poles, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm not. They're going to follow suit. Uh, well, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if on the next hike that we, the five guys, go on that there's going to be other sets of poles because we we did a ten mile, and we thought it was great because the first seven and a half miles were fairly flat, a ridge hike along the top of a mountain, mm -hmm. and then it was like a two mile decline, mm. and the ridge line was a breeze mm -hmm. it was a little challenging here and there but i i've never experienced how hard it was my legs were shaking wow going downhill on the decline wow and it was because the weight on my back and yeah apparently 
you can do some exercises, but there's not really going to be much that there was another guy within our group who just ran down the hill, like nothing. Uh, but three of us had like struggled with shakes and, Mm -hmm. you know, just because of the change in the way that you're. It's a different kind of step down. It's Mm -hmm. a different kind of muscle group. It's start, stop in a different direction. Yeah. Your, your muscles just think about when you first started lifting yeah, you know that that shake, mm-hmm. the shake. You know those stabilizer muscles and stuff, muscles you've never used before, all that kind of stuff. And it's, I would imagine, it's the same thing. You're using, you're not using muscles you've ever used before, and you get to camp, and you're like, the next day, you're probably like, holy shit! Like, do you feel soreness the next day? A lot I, of times, I didn't feel soreness the next day at all. Um, okay. In fact, in camp, uh, an hour later, I felt fine. I was, I was really prepared for this hike both my pack weight was low and I'd worked out a lot beforehand yeah. um, with that vest you loaned me. Yeah. Um, it's like a weighted vest. Weighted vest. How many pounds did you put on it? I don't know. Um, what it came with? A That's little, a 50 pound vest. Yeah. No, it wasn't all 50 pounds. It was like probably 30, 40, something like that. Yeah. But I, I was walking twice a day and doing five, six miles. So I was in great shape Yeah. for doing a nine or 10 mile hike. Mm-hmm. And, it just was purely the um, way that the incline was, and it followed a creek bed. Yeah. So so we were constantly walking. And you're stiff because you're afraid of falling. Mm-hmm. So you're just very stiff and tense, and that's exhausting. Everything I read said that um, those types of changes in your incline can only – the only real thing that can help you are the walking sticks. So mm. I was like, I'm going to get them for the next time because okay. I, I don't want to feel – like, I just, I, it, all three of us agreed that it felt like you maybe couldn't get down the mountain, which is the strangest thing. You would think that your your biggest hurdle is going to be going up a mountain. Yeah. It wasn't. It was going down a mountain. Did anybody, so you didn't see a rope attached to a tree anywhere? For no, there, a were, there were spots that were ropes. People put ropes and yeah. stuff just to help out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But God forbid you were the guy that uses the rope. Yeah. Well, you know what? As you get older, fashion and pride go out the window. Right. I mean, you pulled the Papa Smurf outfit out, but yeah. you're the driest guy at camp. So you realize that. I've mentioned this to you before. I'll mention it again. Um, the number single number one best investment is rain gear. Yeah. And high quality, good rain gear. Because. Is there me- a kind that you, what's the kind that you use? I bought something from a store that was affiliated with Dick's called Field and Stream, which isn't around anymore. Um, it was both – it's it's a rain gear for uh, outdoorsmen, and it had a mesh insulation that's, that's available, so it's breathable as well. But my biggest reason is that it's a multi-use for me. I don't just store it with my backpacking gear. I keep it in my car, and I've used it so many times for yep. other things yep. and it keeps me dry and even when it doesn't rain at camp it's it doubles as my extra layer of uh warmth mm. it's a jacket and a pair of pants that i can put on to keep me warm so you bring up a good question so packing clothes mm-hmm. what does that look like for packing clothes you know some people may think you wear the same clothes for three days some people you had mentioned to me about um, sleeping in clothes which i think is interesting point you can share that like what is it looked like to pack clothes so again history um our first uh hike when we didn't do a whole lot of research or preparing yeah we didn't even compare notes a lot like you wouldn't do it differently though your first hike you got to do it that way 
I mean, agreed. It's funny, and I'm sure you look back on it like that. We all packed an outfit or two for each day. Okay. Of a three day hike. Okay, an outfit each day. So we had different, but we ended up wearing the same outfit. Same shit. And pants or shorts? Uh, it was uh, April and it was cold and it rained. So um, I had to. Who had jeans? Uh, somebody Jan, somebody Jan, had jeans. Jansport? Jansport, yeah. Love it. I think one other. Stone wash. I think one other guy had jeans did on. Did he tight roll them? He probably did. <laughs> <laughs> he. He had been doing that for a while. <laughs> that should be his trail name, Jansport. <laughs> so, so it, I think it was, actually. Was it really? Yeah, I think that it sounds was. Like good, we'll get into that, what, where trail names come yeah. from. But go ahead and tell me about the clothes thing. So, you know, I, I didn't wear even half of what I packed that first trip. And then in subsequent trips, I've still always had more clothes until the past two years. Now I have my hiking clothes and my mm -hmm. sleeping clothes. And that's it. So you wear one pair of hiking clothes. Yep. And then you have your sleeping clothes. You had mentioned to me, have a pair of clothes just for sleeping that you put on in your tent. You don't expose it to outside of there. It's just your sleeping stuff. It Correct. stays clean. It doesn't get sweaty or messed up. And then you can wear it every night, no problem. Correct. Yep. And then you have your pair that you wear out hiking, Correct. regardless of the smell, regardless of anything like that. Now, does it... Do you wash it at all? Like, do you like, or do you just kind of go with it? Uh, in in you know warm weather hikes, I've I've rinsed it or uh, washed it. Like not washed it, washed it, but just kind of give it a scrub. Like put it in water and then yeah, let it dry, air dry. Yeah. If if it seemed like it was going to air dry, um, if the, is it like the wicking kind of shirts or you just wear like a cotton shirt? I, or ironically, I just threw out two shirts this week. That, um, Hiking shirts? They were two of my favorite uh, shirts for either workouts or just general stuff that you do that you know you're going to sweat. Yeah. But th they're just... They they're were, done. They're done. They just stink all the time. Yeah. But I was holding on to them. But um, the right material, winter is wool, in my opinion, definitely wool. There's all kinds of uh, composite fabrics now that they you know share with you that... Um, I think that they just inevitably end up stinking. Cotton is um, dangerous because it doesn't dry very quickly. Um, you know, it gets wet very easily and it doesn't dry very quickly. So it's just, it, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. But you know that nylon type material that's become like the Under Armour shirts and mm -hmm. Nike, those things, mm -hmm. um, they, they'll keep you, like they'll wick and they're wicking, but They'll stink in yeah. a heartbeat. They pick up a lot of stink. Yep. Yeah. And they're not very warm. Mm. So if it's yeah. warmth, that like it, it, it again depends on when you're hiking. Yeah. They'd be great for summer hikes yeah. and that type of thing. But there's so many other fabrics and things that are available, like uh, a mesh underlayer with like it's almost like a netting with a. You wear a netted shirt out there? No. Like you're at a Jersey <laughs> nightclub? <laughs> Your nipples are hanging out? <laughs> no, the, the, the base layer is net, and then there's like a, like they're fishing shirts. You know, those button-down fishing shirts? So oh, yeah, yeah. 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 They have, uh, you know, breathable. Yeah, so that would probably be the way to go. I just think about it. Like, I appreciate, um, like, actually in the summertime, like, polos and button-up shirts, they, the air flows a lot better than a T-shirt. Right. Just feels better. Yeah. Yeah. And you can open up it as options. Like you go bare chested out there if you want. Yeah. Show that netted shirt off. Um, 
I mentioned the rain gear earlier, but my second, uh, when I talked to my one buddy about our gear makeup, my second best investment was um, some pretty expensive wool uh, pullovers and mm. pants. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's it's not quite long john type stuff for when it's cold. Um, for when it's cold, but even for you know, I wear them for everyday uh, use now. But for yeah. hiking, they're fantastic because uh, you can wear multiple layers mm-hmm. and shed or add depending on what your you know conditions are. So if you're, layers, yeah, that's probably yeah. The, a really good way to go. When you're backpacking, you could start off very cold, and then within a mile, you're very hot, mm-hmm. and then you shed, and a mile mm-hmm. later, you're cold again. Yeah. Um, it just it depends on what your body's makeup is, but yeah. the money I spent on the clothes that I, I ended up getting mostly from REI, but a couple other places for that's kind of designated as my hiking gear. Yeah. I wear it for some other things here and there. Uh, is really really fantastic. Smart wool has been more of my go-to for layering type of things. Smart wool, that's the brand. Yeah, that's the brand. Um, I love their stuff for uh the three seasons i don't i don't have anything that i would wear in the summer with it but yeah yeah it stays dry and you get that at rei yeah but it's they make hoodies and pants and it's expensive gear though is it so what's expensive uh like a hundred bucks long sleeve pullovers maybe close to 200 Oh, wow. So that is, but it's good material. It sounds like you just throw it in the washing machine though. You don't have to worry about. I throw it in the wash and then I'll do a time drive for like 10 or 15 minutes and then let it air dry. Yeah. Does wool shrink? I don't even know if wool shrinks. I just haven't risked it because I have a long torso yeah. and I, I hate when You have I, a long torso? I have a long torso. So okay. um, when stuff shrinks. So you start doing like the, it shows the my belly, belly shirt. My, yeah. So yeah. I, I just, I, I never really end up doing the belly shirt because I don't wear it. If yeah. It's the 80s that. quarterback shirt. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned camp shoes mm. to me. When did you learn that revelation that that's a good idea? I read it somewhere before our first hike. I took camp shoes for my very first hike. I've taken oh. them on every single outdoor excursion I've ever been on. So camp shoes by definition are just a comfortable pair of shoes that you don't wear hiking. You wear them at camp. Yeah, and um, they're uh, lightweight, mm-hmm. uh, have a solid so- uh, sh- sole. Because mm-hmm. um, the because the, the shelters and stuff tend to be just good flat terrain, nothing ridiculous, not, I mean, muddy. I mean, I guess if it's raining. Sometimes. Can be. I've used canvas toms. Uh, they were great. Mm-hmm. I didn't care if I was wearing them in the mud. Um, and then even when you're, when you're at camp, there's a, important part of it is um you arrive you have to not only set up but before you even like depends on what the weather conditions are sometimes we'll set up like right away if it's raining just to get your stuff under cover yeah if it's not raining first thing you're focused on is collecting wood and getting ready for the night whatever you need to get so Mm -hmm. there's that and then um then you set up but while you're doing that i typically keep my shoes on that i'm hiking in Mm. Once we get set, get a fire going, and know what our situation is, then I'll switch my camp shoes on. But I'll keep my hiking clothes on for most of the night then. Until you're ready to kind of settle down. Until about until the Until you get into your nighty. No, just about the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> last hour, I might start to change to my sleepwear just, yeah. just to start to let this stuff breathe and yeah. dry. And then let the... Uh, 
other stuff fit in and it also kind of tells my body it's almost time to go to bed so so do you have to bring like a hanging wire to like hang clothes and stuff to dry like do you bring like you're a, in the woods there's trees everywhere so you're just hanging on a limb yeah often but there there's also like i do typically bring in every outdoor excursion whether it's a short backpacking trip or um you know if you're going on a long trip you should take a paracord or length of rope of some sort yeah and you do no matter what i always do yeah it's yeah i mean if you get off trail or you get lost or something it's just a multi-use tool that is hugely important have you ever gotten lost um ever like not in life i'm not talking about you're in the amusement <laughs> park when you were six but no not not backpacking not out in backpacking yeah. yeah but if you went for i'd imagine if you went for a longer hike in unfamiliar territory i mean it's a possibility like if you decided you're gonna hike west virginia you know because there's always side trails i mean it's marked pretty well i i see these appalachian trail this way darlington shelter this way i mean as you get to these cross points but it's a it's a higher probability than possibility yeah for most people yeah um i'm a geek when it comes to studying the maps and the terrain um i'll every time i am planning to go somewhere try and get the uh topographical map like the actual physical map and study it um ahead of time they have these purple lizard maps you sound like the dad on the trip by the way you Um, brought the rain gear the first day you have your sleep shoes and you have a paper map it could call me the dad or it's like what i geek out about it's what i enjoy doing like well no you sound like the one that keeps everybody on point i mean i could be wrong um there's an element to at that. first I mean, i'm sure everybody kind of followed suit and got their shit together but there's a couple like each of us have our parts that we do um but you saw that picture and jess will tell you like for the days leading up to a hike like I pack and unpack my bag three, four, five times. The kids make fun of me. Um, and then do- some people pack at 11 at night and put nachos and salsa. <laughs> Correct. Yes. But everybody's got their place. You need that. Yeah. You need I, the guy with the nachos and salsa. Yeah. It's I, important. I, I put my tent up in the garage like two or three times yeah. before I go, and I, I've put it up 100 times. But yeah. I still do it just to make sure all the stuff's there and uh, yeah. I know what I'm doing. And, it, you know, what it ended up doing the one time, it was pouring when we got to camp, like absolutely pouring. Mm-hmm. I had my tent up in, you know, less than a minute and a half. Yeah. And my stuff was in there. My, one of the guys I was hiking with had purchased a new tent and he had put it up once, once. And he really didn't put it up uh, any other time than that. Yeah. I was done and I looked over and he was like, can you help me? I went over and we got it up in another minute and a half. Yeah. But But again, you're under that stress of it's. It's it's raining. I gotta get this shit together. It's new. It's oh god, that's so annoying. Yeah. So, it, inclusive of that, putting the tent up and down, like I'm uh, looking at the maps, looking at the other trails. But uh, you know, I usually am looking because there's a trail we went on one time where there was um, an old steam uh, crane that was left behind in a logging operation, and I wanted to see how to get there. So we were not going by it, but there was a trail that you could go off of, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go see it. There's been trails that we've been on that there was old, um, there was an old um, POW camp, and I wanted to see that. That was cool to see. So POW I, camp? Yeah. Um, for who? By Michaud State Forest. There was for the Nazis. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. There's a Nazi. Is it still there? Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, the ruins of it are still there, yeah. What uh, was it called? Do you remember what it was called? It was Michaud uh POW camp. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. 
It's a, it was really cool. We brought him all the way over here mm-hmm. to the states. That's a whole other discussion. Uh, history be, discussion. Before it was a Nazi POW camp, it was a Indian Native American Indian re-education camp. Oh God, those things! I heard yeah. about those things. Put your tie on, cut your hair. Then after that, it was a Boy Scout camp or something. Yeah, so it's made its rounds. Uh, your ghost hunter would probably want to go there because mm, it, yeah. it, it burnt down finally before in its last. That'd be interesting. As a kid's camp. Mm-hmm. That'd be, but he's got to hike to it. There's a parking area that you can walk to it from. Oh, so you can drive to this place. Yeah, but you we could only get to it if we went off of our destination trail. Yeah. Was everybody agreeable to that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then other guys will look look stuff up as well, but I look for those reasons. And you know, so when it comes to getting lost, I don't I don't really I have a compass typically with me, and um, most of where we're hiking is or we have been hiking isn't out of uh, modern conveniences being somewhat nearby. Mm-hmm. So even if you do get lost, you can usually within a little. But it you know typically people get lost. Yeah. And either get found or die. Jesus Christ. In 20 to 40 feet of where they were supposed to be because they just end up walking. That's the statistics? Yeah. They just exhaust themselves like the Blair Witch going around in a a circle? Just walking in a circle. Yep. It's scary, man. I watched that movie. I got scared of getting lost in the woods. Um, All right. So you set up, so we didn't finish the discussion about hiking, stopping, hiking, stopping. You eventually, if you leave at 930, it's a five, six, seven mile hike. When do you get to shelter? When do you get to the next shelter typically for a, a five to seven mile hike? Like what time? It's daylight. Yeah, three thirty, four o'clock, five okay. o'clock. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Always but tr- people will trickle in later, probably not earlier unless they just were too hungover and stayed at the shelter all day. It it really depends on each uh hike. And usually like so there's a good way to look at it. Um when we went to that first hike we didn't have any experience. We had no idea what kind of incline. I don't even think I studied the map then. Um, we hiked three and a half miles to Cove Mountain. The dude who was already there had hiked 10 miles that day. Mm-hmm. The guy who came with the dog hiked from Darlington to there. He arrived at close to five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then Orange Crush arrived right at dusk which was about seven o'clock that's a lot 28 miles yeah uh, it's some of the flattest miles in the appalachian yeah, trail i can't even walk 14 miles i'd be crying and she was in her late 60s mm. by herself good for her man that's amazing she was an amazing person she was an awesome person that's the cool shit man but again i love the exercise you get out of it i love the inspiration it gives people to get their shit together i guarantee you, you could probably find hundreds even thousands of people that have lost tons of weight because they found hiking is like their hobby that they want. And that's what it's about in life is finding hobbies that can contribute positively to your well, life. Her personality and that experience and meeting her is tattooed in all five of our brains. Yeah. Like oh, I can, I'm sure you're tattooed in her brain too. I, <laughs> that party that night. No yeah. doubt. No yeah. doubt. But I mean, same thing though. Yeah, but you looked at her like that's 60. Like you can do that at 60. That's 68. okay. Yeah. And it gave you perspective. 68. It gave so you a lot of perspective. Her and her friends were supposed to hike the Appalachian Trail together. It bailed. No, her friend died of breast cancer. Oh, dear God. They were all planned to do it. And she decided she was just still going to do it in yeah. memory of her friend. Yeah. Her husband was um, road tripping it along the way, but she still was doing. And I, we fo- I followed her, uh, you know, logs after that. 
She did the whole thing and then hiked back. I've been watching this show called Alone. I'm watching it on Netflix. Show, yes, love it. I'm on. I'm only the second show or third. I'm on like episode four. Yeah. Okay. So you're one in front of me, but just some of the stories they do the backstories and these people are like they have like no quit. They're like my the one guy. My daughter died. There's no way I'm going through anything more severe than that. This guy is military. This guy I've lived in a hut for seven years. It's very interesting to see all these people where they've been and where they're at and like basically saying they have no quit and I'm it's going to be very interesting to see where that quit shows up because it somebody's got to quit somewhere I mean it's it's got to happen but yeah you know that one guy quit like the the first episode because he started sorry he's having a heart attack I mean anxiety that was, attack yeah I think it was anxiety I think that's what it was and you yeah. get in your own head I would imagine middle of nowhere you know you have health conditions um but yeah I love that I uh, one of my coworkers turned me on to it. So I watched one of the prior seasons and I think they went 110 days or something like that. Dude, this is season eight. Where yeah. have I been? So there's a whole cult of people that watch this show. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah. And it's uh, equally great because they film themselves. Yeah. But they do a great job. I used to watch some show where they were supposed to do that, Nature Man or something. Do you remember yeah, that? And yeah. he'd set the camera up and. It's something about it was disconnected. I still wasn't. Well, he he had like a the camera equipment has evolved and it's much. Maybe better. that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, his his camera equipment was uh, inferior. Yeah, this camera equipment's incredible, and I think most of these people have camera equipment experience. I was gonna say they they seem that they've gotten coaching or there's some kind of incentive to get good shots to get. I mean, I would I would imagine there's actually money on the side of like, hey, if you get if your shot makes the air. You get this much money. I would imagine that's somewhere yeah. in the cards to encourage them to get good shots or good footage. Nine of them are going to quit before yeah. 110 days. Is that what it is? You looked it up? Well, I don't know. No. I mean, the last record was the record. It was 110 days. So statistically. Statistically. Because the, the one lady's like, I'm going to live here. For, I plan on living here for months. It's like, okay. I'm a little ahead of you. So I know like you're right around the corner from a huge bailout. Yeah. Like a, there's a little run where all of a sudden you're like what 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 dude you know how some people watch horror movies yeah and they're like don't go in that room don't like i find myself at this show going like what are you doing why would you do that why would you build a shelter like that why would you why would you waste the energy doing that that kind of stuff right and it's funny because i never got into horror movies i don't understand that i don't i don't get into that why would you go in that room thing but like these kind of shows i find myself going I'm all in. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. You go go over there. Like, like and this guy's like, I'm two miles away from shelter and there's a storm coming. I'm like, you're a retard. Why would right. you do that? I'm you're like, gonna swim across the bay? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Did you see that one? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna and I thought he was joking. Yeah. He puts the camera up and he goes, he points across the lake and he goes, I'm gonna swim over there to see what's over there. I'm like, right. why? <laughs> or I'm gonna build a boat. Yeah, that guy. He spent like I've never built a boat. Days. I've never built a boat before. Why are you building a boat? What's going on? <laughs> Like, that's like one of your buddies on your hike going like, I'm going to build, you know, a yeah. tree house. And you're like, why are you building a tree house? We're only here for three days. Those, uh, those, those cabins that they've built are pretty awesome. Dude, the carpenter. Yeah. That one carpenter. I mean, it looked like something like. He could out sell of that. A, it could be an Airbnb right now. <laughs> Someone would definitely rent that. Yeah. For sure. Here's, here's my tarp canoe you can go out on. His door was like. like it's great. Yeah. yeah. It was great. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And some people's shelters are like, eh. Like some people are like, it's like glam, glamour camping. Right. It's really nice. I saw a combination. I mean, if I did it, you know, if I was out there, I would build the shelter and then dig. Right. right. That lady was digging first 
I'm like, why don't you build a shelter and then just keep digging a hole while you're in the shelter? And then eventually you have. Well, she's studied and knows like the way that they used to do it. So she's yeah. some kind of an anthropologist or something. Pit. What do they call it? Pit something she's uh, it's doing? It's a pit shelter. Pilter, pit shelter. She's the first person to ever do a pit shelter, pit yeah. shelter on the show or something. Right. I don't know. Well, it's a fun show. But it's anyhow. A, it's a great show. Getting back to the, the trail stuff. So these trail names. Right, so I'm on this Facebook page and I see people putting their trail names up there. Who gives you a trail name? Yeah, that's the thing. You can't pick your own trail name. It has to be somebody on the trail. Like Seinfeld where he wants to call himself T-Bone. Right. Um, <laughs> George. I, I mean, I think people probably pick their own trail name. but Introduce themselves, this trail name, and no one gave shelter it has a book, a log book. Yeah. Did you see it at the Darlington? I did, yeah. Well, I saw it at the, the crossroad for Darlington and the AT, the Darlington Trail, and AT, there's like a little box where you can put stuff in there. Well, no, that's different. There's a book, oh. actual book. I don't think I saw it. And at different, like at the Doyle Hotel, they have a, a log book. And in that log book, um, you can write notes. Either I was here or you could write waiting for the five guys to catch up with me. I reached here at this point in time. I left a drink for you with the bartender. Enjoy. You know, something like that. So people communicate all the time oh. via that way. People and, that are behind them. And or... so I think the way that trail names like originally started was uh, there was a lot of people who weren't willing to give their names, like their actual names, or, you know, there's a lot of anonymity when there's smaller populations. And they were, um, you know, it would be like ran into um, a hiker in scrubs, He's hiking the whole trail for uh, diabetes research, and he's wearing scrubs as a way to, like... Signify it. So here's a shout-out to scrubs. Hope you can catch me on this <laughs> leg. And then that becomes the trail name. Okay. And that was... So the, someone calls you out yeah. by identifying you a certain way, at, just like college. I right. mean, that's how I got their nicknames in college sometimes. Something Same story. Did, something, yeah. yeah. So someone just throws it out there, and it sticks. Right. Uh, there's a lady, when right before I went on this last hike on the Appalachian Trail, we decided we were going to take hoagies from this uh, top-notch shop down in New York called, oh, I can't remember, remember the name of it right now, but um, ordered them to go and said, taking these on an Appalachian Trail hike. And she was like, wow, that's awesome. I'm going to hike the whole thing. I'm like, that's incredible. She's like, I leave in two weeks. And then we compared gear really quickly and when you know that somebody knows gear you just start talking about it it's like you're and people were behind us and it was like we were talking in a foreign language we ended up having the same pack she had a tent that i was looking at i went with a different one she's like you're gonna have to let me know how it goes mm -hmm. so she's like follow me on instagram so then i've been communicating with her on instagram oh there you go she's been uh hiking the trail she's still hiking it she's still hiking it where's she's, she at right now she's in connecticut Oh, so she's she's going up the down or down up? Up, she's going, she's going up. Yeah, she's so she's getting. She's a northbounder. She's getting there. She's doing well. She hasn't had any struggles, but she spent half the trail without a trail name. Without a trail name. Yeah, she kept saying, "I don't have a trail name yet. I don't have a trail name yet." Okay. And then I can't remember what it is. Uh, there was like an exciting post that she was like. So she did something crazy or something happened, and so there has to be. It sounds like there has to be an event tied to it or some kind of. Well, Orange Crush was because she had a bright orange. Um, down jacket and orange pants and 
she was doing 20 mile days crushing the trail as a 60 year old yeah and somebody wrote uh orange crush is catching me or oh. orange crush is outpacing me something like that <laughs> um and that became her trail name so the books are a big deal so the books at the oh, shelters yeah. and the i mean it's really important to read them entertainment mm -hmm. and just to kind of keep up i mean the trail has a almost has a heartbeat or a culture to it in that moment of who's on it, who's going this way and that way. And those books all get collected at the end of a season then and get, uh, archived. And then people can go to the mm. trail museum and research. Their, There's a trail museum. Um, yeah. Where's uh, it? it was, there's two, but the main one's in boiling Springs. Is it? It's actually moving to the, um, Craighead House, uh, which Gene Craighead George wrote, My Side of the Mountain, which was my favorite book as a kid. Okay. Um, I read it recently with the kids, and I still loved it. Um, her summer home for her family was in Carlisle, or in Boiling Springs, mm -hmm. right at, outside the square of town. They're moving the Appalachian Trail Museum to her childhood summer house. We toured it with the kids one time mm -hmm. um, on a whim. Meaning we showed up there and they were having their board of directors meeting. One of the board members gave us a tour. So yeah, that was pretty that's cool. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I beat that. But that's where it's moving to. But like the Doyle has their own log books. And mm -hmm. I went there. We went there on another hike and we went and looked back at what we wrote on our first hike. That's fun. Yeah. They, you could request to look at it. Yeah. Then we could see the other posts or the posts, other things that people wrote. People interacted with you or their experience around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fun. It is. Yeah. That'd it's be really fun. Do you document yourself? Do you journal yourself, like your hikes or anything? No, not me personally. Um, we, the five guys, have a leather-bound journal that we've, um, one of the guys donated, and I don't think we've done a great job of making entries in it. Um, yeah. We do have a shared, um, like an iCloud shared photo list which now includes six years of hikes yeah with our different photos mm -hmm. photos just you know it's just like instagram they really strike you more and mm -hmm. there's there's many of those photos that you know i can go back through and i instantly remember mm -hmm. when we were doing this thing or that <laughs> thing like we we the hike in this most recent spring it just started to sleet out of the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and it was like these like the size of a bottle cap size of uh flakes coming down and we took videos of it and everything and it, it was pretty awesome scene mm -hmm. and it happened for maybe 15 minutes mm -hmm. but we were like oh we're gonna die like and it was really windy and everything else but it was gone just as fast as it came and mm -hmm. there was no evidence of it yeah other than the photos we had that's crazy yeah so uh do you get hammock sleepers you said the one guy's a hammock sleeper well he took it he he was convinced he was going to be he has a tent now so he he backed off of the hammock idea. Yeah, it's too hard. Um, if you're if you're doing it multiple days and whatnot, you can probably get used to it. Hard but on your back. Well, no, you got to find a, like the right trees, the right situation. You know, of trees mm -hmm. around camp. Um, it's probably better for solo hikers or one or two person hikers. But you're then setting up your camp like maybe 15, 25, 30 yards away from everybody else because there's not a segment of trees that are good. Ah, um, uh, yeah. It is, it's, it's also like, it's a gear intense thing. Like you really to hammock tent. Well, you need, if it's not the summer months, you need to have like an under insulation kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's that 
then you're still needing to put your gear someplace. Like the beauty of tent camping is you can put your gear in your tent with you or in an alcove of some tents. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to leave your gear out and about because uh, it doesn't matter where you are and whether you see them or not. Animals go through that campsite mm-hmm. and they find whatever they want to find. Mm-hmm. So many of the places put um, like gear boxes that you can put your gear in or bear boxes that you can put food in mm-hmm. that with uh, a lock so that the bears can't get to it. It's a metal box. But also I'm sure you've seen at REI that there's bear barrels that you carry. And yeah. So we found 10 sites that were in the middle of nowhere that you can string up your food so that you're hanging it from a tree because, yeah. and I mean, bears are the bigger threat because they're dangerous, but raccoons and possums mm. and Foxes are all just as much of a threat. Mice. Mice can chew through your... Um, your bowstring, like on that show alone. Exactly. That guy was fired up, which he's yeah. like, come on. And he fixed it. Yeah. He but fixed that bowstring. We've stayed in camps where uh, mice were going through our, our shit. We were sitting there and we could see them and you'd try and get rid of them and the mice were just rampant. Yeah. You can look at the log books or the things and they'll tell you that the mice are terrible right now. Mm. Uh, and you Short can, times you, a year. You can't do anything about them. Like... Mm-hmm. And, so the only thing, you, your choice is to hang your food up. This is the hammock tent I was looking at. It shows up on Facebook. If you're looking for anything on Facebook, it kind of, or if you're looking at anything on the internet, it just goes to Facebook. You see the advertisements. Shit, if you even think about it, it shows up on Facebook it's a lot crazy. of times. It, yeah. it really happens. It does. It does. I think it reads your thoughts. But this is the hammock, or what is it called? The Haven hammock? The yeah. Haven tent? What is it? The Haven, what is this thing called? The Haven Tent. Yeah, I've seen it. It still weighs a lot. I know, but I want it so bad. It looks fun, doesn't it? I bought a hammock from um, Target for like 25 bucks. I bought two of them. Yeah. They hang in my backyard all the time. I use them periodically. Yeah. And I've thought about taking them just to have to hang out around camp. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a reliable situation. Yeah. I mean, you could do it, but it's a lot of money. Well, and also the money, all that stuff. I just thought it was cool. It is cool. There's I a lot was, of cool things. Because the regular hammock, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of wrapped up in like a ball, and I could just see my back just like just being all kinked out. This thing keeps you flat, side sleeper kind of thing. Um, I don't know. It just looks awesome. <laughs> I think this thing looks so cool. It does look cool. I've looked at it. It's a couple pounds heavier. So it's like seven pounds, I think. That's ridiculous. What's a tent now? My tent yeah. is two pounds. Right, so it's five pounds more, but if okay, so with that being said, if it was just a two mile hike into Darlington Shelter to stay over, that's really not that bad, right? If you just wanted to try it for two days, but a, you're saying a long hike, this would just be a little much. Um, short hike, long hike, but even like Darlington, it's gimmicky. Yeah, it is, but it seems fun. Like hammocks are perfect for people that do. Um, they call it. Um, it's like sniper camping or uh, ghost camping. So oh, where they go to these, like... You camp in places where you're not... Like, it's not... Yeah, no like, flat you're, terrain. You're not supposed to camp at various spots along the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. There's designated areas, and there's, like, campsites. Mm-hmm. But people um, camp because they have to. Yeah. And I think if they have to, it's agreeable. Yeah. But they also don't want to spend a lot of time with other people, or yeah. they get tired of spending time with people. 
at the shelters and hearing the same stories or whatever, or they go to a shelter and there's a bunch of knuckleheads, five guys that are grilling steaks <laughs> and they're like, I don't want to go there. So I'm going to go and um, I forget that they call it ghost camping or something, yeah. but hammocks are great for that because you can be in a place, but yeah. it's not great for like a campfire. It's not great for, yeah. you have to find the right situation. Well, I, I like what you said. Like it's going to put you away from camp. It's going to put you away from everybody else's. Um, you're going to have to find these unique positions to put it in. Um, yeah. And then when I looked into it, I realized like how impractical it is for hiking and backpacking. I mean, camping, that's a different story or certain situations like this guy's got a motorcycle. He probably puts it in the back of his motorcycle, like whatever. But I couldn't resist seeing how awesome it looked <laughs> to set it up. I'm off the ground, all it, that stuff. It is awesome. But the quarter yeah. pounder cheese with cheese looks very good in those ads. But it does. It never looks that good when you yeah. get it. Ask Michael Douglas and falling down. Yeah. All right. So thanks, Bobby, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to plug, Bob? You got something to plug? I don't. No. You do. You got an Instagram. Yeah. I, what is it? My Keep Instagram, it's uh, underutilized. Is that what it's called? <laughs> no, it's Bob Spoljerick. <laughs> it's, it's just Bob Spoljerick. Yeah. Um, Instagram. Yeah. You're going to get tons of Instagram followers for this. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, I do have that Modern Method podcast. You do. You yeah. have the Modern Method podcast that yeah. you do, and that airs a couple times a week. You do a lot of them. Well, we it's like we have new episodes starting up again. There's one being dropped maybe today, mm -hmm. um, and then we have... Uh, 10 more episodes coming up over the next 10 weeks. So. Yeah, and they can find that on LinkedIn. It's on LinkedIn. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, mo it's a business podcast. Yep. Yeah, very serious. It is very, very serious. serious. No, one's, yeah. no one's saying the stuff that we say like we, we on here. We talk about uh, workforce uh, problems. Yeah, so. I got it. All right, Bobby. All right. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Yep. <laughs>